Welcome to the New Thinking for a New World podcast, where we explore the most pressing issues that are challenging and changing our societies. We are looking for new thinking and new solutions wherever we can find them. Listen as host Alan Stoga, the Talberg Foundation's chairman, challenges his guests for analysis, ideas and actions. Together, we can help make our world at least a bit better. In many, perhaps most countries in the West, there is a wide and growing gap between citizens and their political leaders. Governments often fail to deliver on basic aspects of the social contract, and voters sometimes respond by endorsing extreme solutions, electing populists of the right or even of the left. For better or worse, outcomes don't seem to get any better. Anger and frustration only increase, and democracy suffers. COVID, of course, made all of this worse. The idea that if government can't keep you safe, what is it for, resonates widely today and often results in politicians who happen to be in office when COVID struck, being thrown out of office when citizens get a chance to vote on them. But even as the pandemic seems to be easing, the residue, more inequality, more inflation, more economic and social stress remains. If there is a silver lining, I would argue that our sorry condition has caused some people to rethink how politics ought to work and try to reinvent rather than tear down democratic processes and institutions. That requires new leaders and maybe a new kind of leadership. Alice Barb, a French political activist, has founded the Academy of Future Leaders to do exactly that. Alice was a finalist in last year's Telberg SNF Elias and Global Leadership Prize competition. Welcome, Alice, to New Thinking for a New World. Thank you. Let me start with something I've seen you quoted as having said, quote, I define myself as an activist, even if in France, activist is a bad word, but I do define myself like this because I believe that there is a fight to be fought for legitimacy. What's that mean? <laughs> that means that right now what we are seeing, and it's been like that forever, um, is the kind of fight between legitimacy and what is legal. Um, when I think of ancient Greece and the story of Antigone, uh, Antigone was fighting against her uncle that was the king. Um, she was fighting to be able to bury her brother and Creon, the king, didn't want her to do so. And he said, look, if you bury your brother, um, you, you might be sentenced to death because this is my law and you, sh you need to obey my law. And Antigone was saying, look, uh, I'm ready to die because I'm fighting for what I think is right. And no matter what is the law, I do think burying my brother is right and dying. Okay, let's just go for it. And right now, when you see all the big challenges of the 21st century, maybe the climate crisis or the rise of inequalities or um, democracy um, that is uh, at risk, I do think that we need to fight harder for what we think is right. And this is this, the people that fight the good fight on ground. We call them activists. And I'd like to do, I like to define myself as such. For 10 years, I've been fighting for human, human rights, uh, women's rights, refugees' rights, 
um, more specifically um, with the Afghan crisis more recently. And I've been meeting so many people working in those areas and being decredibilized and being treated in a... um, treated in a, in a very bad way. Uh, sometimes the media make fun of them, politicians make fun of them. They do not think that they are legit in the work that they do. And I think that the fight today is to, is, is mostly about legitimacy because from the Black Lives Matter movement to Me Too, to the Yellow Vest or Youth for Climate, there is a new generation of leaders that... With their, with their communities, they change laws, they disrupt the system, they create narratives, but they do not always enjoy a high level of credibility. Um, so what I want to do is to help them reach their best potentials so that they become future big leaders of their century. You listed several different movements of the recent past, BLM, um, Yellow Jackets, others. There's a mix of types in that list. When, when at least I think about the Yellow Jack movement, I'm thinking something that was less political and was more based in economic rights. It was more based on, it's a bit like what happened in, in Chile when uh, prices go up and suddenly there's people in the streets and become something else. Mm. Um, it, it was... Is it about left and right, or is it about something that is less ideological and more basic? Well, when it comes to the Yellow Vest movement, it started uh, as a protest because life was was expensive. I mean, life is still expensive, but it became a huge movement about democracy, which is why what I work on today is mostly environmental justice, social justice, but also democratic justice. And I think it's all connected. Um, If we have to talk about politics, um, what is happening, at least at least here in France, um, is that since the arrival of Macron, but even before that, uh, far-right political parties are mobilized more than ever. They are equipping themselves with tools, schools, summer camps, new media to push their agenda. And I define myself as progressive and humanist. I never used the narrative left and right, but I think we who believe in democracy and justice, we must fight to safeguard our values. Um, The problem is that political parties, uh, especially on what we would call maybe left, but I I would call it more progressive and humanist, those parties are not attractive anymore and have ceased to mobilize or train young leaders. We are left with all career candidates disconnected from major issues of today and tomorrow, disconnected from their communities, disconnected of their challenges. And there is a, a very, very strong need for yeah, more, more active presence, more mobilization, more engagement, because people do not want to engage anymore in political parties, which is a shame. The, the, the figure of the, um, uh, of the person who engage in political parties that, you know, goes to the market and distributes a lot of... Uh, uh, leaflets to people in the street. This um, figure, it, it's it's quite noble, you know, to to fight for a political party. But this this is over. Um, people would mobilize more for causes. Uh, I'm thinking of the Uyghur genocide that has mobilized a lot recently, and now France is recognizing 
uh, the genocide as a genocide, thanks to millions of people who have mobilized online and mostly through social media. But this is not a role that is being taken um, by political parties right now. So what do we do with that? Uh, in French, we have this expression that says na nature hates emptiness, but now there is an emptiness um, uh, about how to engage politically. And we see new, new ways of engaging, but that's not really politics. So we see uh, um, that democracy is weakening um, day after day. And I'm sure that beyond the left and right paradigm, um, we don't want that because we don't want uh, to have, we, we can't call a democracy a system in which the extreme far right parties are dominant. Maybe Macron versus the far right party, but that's, that's only one progressive person um, left. And I wouldn't call that plur pluralism. Well, let me push on some of that um, because I'm curious. You just, your analysis is that the right far and I think center right is better organized, is doing politics, is training, is it sounded like you said is it's operating uh, successfully, whereas for some reason the center left and whatever's to the left of the center left, not so much. And so I guess my question is not about why is in France in particular, but more generally perhaps, why is why is that? Why is the left almost in a in a um, caricature of the left wing sitting in the coffee shop talking but not <laughs> operating. Why is it that today in France in particular, the left is uh, as disorganized, as, as, as disengaged as it is? Why do you think? Um, I would like to rephrase the question because to me, again, it's beyond left and right. So the traditional right wing party is left behind as well. Uh, mobilization now is mostly on political parties with very strong leader and very few mobilization. When you look at Macron's party, the party wouldn't work without Macron. And it's the same for the far right, um, which doesn't apply for other traditional parties. So maybe the left or the traditional right, it's the same level of disengagement. And when you look at uh, history. We have political parties uh, since the beginning of the 20th century, and people used to mobilize. People used to meet, maybe the left or the right. Uh, when it was the right, people would get out from church and then gather and, 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 and take part in the, in the party. And if it's the left, it was more in the factories or after a day of labor, people would mobilize and think about how um, that they can be part of society and, and create um, new initiatives, new laws. Today, we don't have that anymore. First, because of digital issues, like now uh, political parties, they engage people digitally, but they don't get to have people to meet each other anymore. That doesn't work. And we saw that with the Yellow Vest. There was a very, very strong need, um, especially from underserved communities, um, away from cities to get to meet and talk and have political debates. And second thing is that 
the political world is today considered by many to be inaccessible. Um, we think that there's always this high-level politicians that you need to have a career in the party, you need to be part of the party, you need to, uh, you know, take the, the stairs uh, and sometimes fight. And, and there is this image from politicians that they are lacking of integrity, ethics. So people find it difficult to project themselves or formally join institutions or parties. Um, so right now, my, my guess is that we have millions of people that do mobilize for causes, but not politically. But they, to me, deserve to be the political leader that we need. Um, so how do we equip those people that are that have strong track record in mobilization, in engaging people, uh, in changing um, changing the game. How do we engage them in being willing to become politicians and, and take their part and to, 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 to serve um, general interest? And to make the point, you don't see this as necessarily a challenge of left or right, but a challenge of democracy. Absolutely. And even when I talk, because obviously what I'm doing wouldn't, we, we, we launched an academy to support those um, civic leaders that want to enter politics. But obviously, when you fight for social justice, environmental justice, or democracy, uh, they wouldn't call themselves conservative. But even when I talk to conservative people, they agree with this point. They say, look, if we are the only one left, there's no democracy left. We, we have to debate. We have to maintain a certain level of debate, of conversation, Otherwise, we would end up like in the U.S. And trust me, in France, like people are very, very scared um, of what happened with Donald Trump. And they're scared of uh, seeing the same thing happening in France. And when you look at the, the U.S., if you see the conservative party, you, you can't just simply, for French, from a French perspective, you can't just believe that Trump is the incarnation of the conservative party. For, for French people, it would be incredible to think that Eric Zemmour or Marine Le Pen are figure of the of the right wing for many many people at the uh, in the right wing they want pluralism and they and 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 they fight for democracy as as it is which is not really what we get from what's going on in the US if you feel that the world lacks global leaders please help support the Talberg foundation programs individual donations are being accepted at talbergfoundation.org/donate that's T-A-L-L-B-E-R-G foundation.org slash donate. Before we go deeper into the academy and, and what you're hoping to do with it and how you anticipate it operating, I'd like to set the stage a little bit more about France itself. Um, I saw a poll over the weekend um, done by the Edelman Company globally and they ask a bunch of questions about trust, and turns out, not a surprise, there is a huge trust gap in most countries, including France, vis-a-vis government, vis-a-vis institutions, uh, etc. But one number that particularly stood out for me, according to the Edelman people, only 18% of the French think they will be better off in five years than they are today. And better off not defined, better off economically, socially, politically, morally, spiritually, health perspective, but only 18%, less than one in five people are optimistic about the future. Mm -hmm. uh, that's pretty grim, uh, actually. 
Do you think that is a fair reflection of the mood in your country? I mean, French people are very paradoxical. When you look at it, uh, a majority would say that the future looks dark, but the majority would also say that they're happy the way it is. So it's, um, I mean, we, we, we are weird people. Uh, when I'd say that the pools um, would change from a day to another, but what really struck me right now uh, in terms of uh, how people see the future in a negative way um, would be that the, the anxiety um, towards both democracy, but also the climate crisis. And I mean, we can also talk about the pandemic. Uh, 30% of the French people are de depressed right now. Uh, but 80% of the young people are also depressed due to the climate crisis. So um, I would say that what we need right now is more... Um, it's more than hope. It's radical action. Unfortunately, I, I'm afraid that uh, that it, things wouldn't continue the way it is, and it's not sustainable. There's a need for drastic change. My my biggest concern would be how to, un, to to unify people, how to make them come together to create this better future. Um, and, and there's a high risk of extreme polarization. As we can see in the U.S., and this is the the AOC Alexandria Ocasio Cortez paradigm. Um, we have people like the Squad entering the Congress, um, asking for radical change. And I do believe in the theory of change that you need to push and push people that demand um, radical change. But in the meantime, the biggest risk is the rise of polarization and the rise of violence. Um, I do not wish that. And I guess it's my biggest concern right now in France. How do you, how do we write this common story um, of change? Well, you are in the midst of a presidential campaign in the good old days when things like presidential campaigns mattered, that would have been occasion perhaps for change, radical or otherwise, for engagement, for people uh, arguing, debating, maybe screaming, uh, but for choosing. Um, but it doesn't seem like people are as, are as excited about this process as being at all relevant to the kind of change that, that you think is necessary. I mean, people don't even vote anymore. There's about 70% of the population that hasn't voted in the past elections, local, regional. Um, I also, but in the meantime, I don't know what the numbers would, would be this year. But I have this feeling that in France, and it's not a feeling, it's a fact, um, people would mostly go to vote for a presidential election. Because right. there is this thing that they do believe in their, I don't know, uh, some kind of God that will come and change it, all, change it all. And, you know, I kind of disagree with the theory that a country would need a very charismatic leader, you know, very masculine and dominant that would, you know, stop sleeping at night and save the country and be like a superhero, like a daddy. I don't believe in that anymore. Um, I think it's a it's a fairy tale that we get told every five years here. Um, the question is, I, I don't believe in that anymore. Um, I think more and more French people don't believe in that anymore. 
but they don't believe in much anymore either. So my guess, and this is the whole theory of change that I've been working on with the academy, is to how do we have civic leaders that already incarnate and represent causes and communities that are trusted by their communities that have been working with ethics, empathy, integrity. How do we have those people? How do we take those people into politics? Because given the fact that there is this paradigm of, okay, this is the them versus us, when it comes to political representation, given that there is such distrust, how do we engage the leaders of the us to represent uh, the whole population? And as as myself, uh, having worked in the past 10 years, um, mobilizing a community of 50,000 people in France uh, on hosting refugees, welcoming refugees, Every time I, I, I took the mic and I was speaking on behalf of this community with my previous organization, Singa, I, um, I felt the need, um, I, I felt this you know, huge responsibility on talking on the behalf of a community. And what is about to happen this year? I don't know, but what is about to happen in the next 10 years? I want to have an impact on that and change this us versus them paradigm. So let me follow that in two directions. The first is there'll be an election this year. It certainly looks like it's going to look like the last election. Um, The odds are um, you could well have Mr. Macron, Ms. Le Pen once again in the finals, blah, 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 rinse and repeat. Um, Nothing you're doing at the moment is going to change that reality. But five years from now is five years from now, as you just said. So if you had a magic wand and could create a better, from your perspective, presidential election in five years, what would it look and feel like? What would be different other than no Macron, no Le Pen that that, that I got? How how would it, no Zemmour, I'm sure. Um, What would it look like? So the context right now, indeed, is very tricky. the left is very much divided into five, six candidates. And because the political parties are so empty, um, there is a new initiative, a civic-led initiative called the Popular Primary that is apartisan. It's not part of a political party, but um, I, I, I strongly support this initiative that is asking everyone in the country to vote for their favorite left candidate. And we are hoping, I'm just saying hoping, um, that all left candidates will, would rely under this banner of this popular primary, but um, nothing nothing is done so far. Um, and on the right, we have, um, I mean, there's Macron, but there's also the right-wing candidate, as well as two uh, populist candidates, Marine Le Pen, obviously, as usual. But there is a new one called Eric Zemmour that is even worse than Marine Le Pen. We, um, he's terrible. He's been convicted like very recently for uh, having said very racist stuff and, and the way he talks about women. Um, it would remind you of someone that you, you've known in the U.S. in the past years. <laughs> um, 
what we're doing right now obviously will not have an impact on uh, on such high level uh, elections with the academy we are with the academy we are supporting uh, 13 uh, civic leaders including five of them that are about to run for legislative elections that i mean it's amazing if they win if, even if one of them wins i'll be so proud uh, because the training we, we we give them is is massive. Like it's about classes, uh, how to run, how to mobilize, but also about well being. We we have them meet high level politicians such as President Hollande or uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau or Prime Minister Sinamarin. Like we really have this red carpet for them. If in five years next elections, if in five years we train. A hundred of them, high-level activists that are able to mobilize two hundred thousand people. That's twenty million people um, that can be behind them. So I don't have a crystal ball. Like I can't see the future. I'm not a medium. I'm, I'm not even sure that political parties are sustainable anymore. But um, if we have a hundred of them that are highly su- supported that have their communities and are able to rely, I do think we can have an impact on on next presidential elections and legislative elections. And beyond that, um, what's going on in France is also going on in Germany. And in terms of Europe, um, we need our priorities to preserve democracy in France and Germany because uh, the, the partnership between those two countries is the is the heart of Europe so we need to to, to work a lot on those two countries so uh, I'm very much willing to scale in Germany and I do already collaborate with a lot of organizations including the a political foundation or civocracy or organization that are there and yeah and I, I I do believe that we need to focus a lot on engaging people uh, engaging massively um and having some of them um running for elections there's not only legislative elections there's european election local elections regional elections and then the presidential election that are coming so i don't know what's going to happen but i certainly wish for the alumni of the academy to take a, a huge responsibility in the next five years do you envision the graduates of the of the academy, the alumni of the academy, moving into a particular party? Are you going to connect with particular parties? Is it uh, rather that you want to help build new kinds of leaders with new kinds of, of tools, visions, and possibilities, uh, and don't particularly care what label they stick on their shoulder because they got to stick a label on their shoulder to play the the game as it's defined. So, you know, a question that a lot of current political leaders ask me right now is, do you want to create a party? It's an obvious question. <laughs> I was trying to be more subtle and come around it yeah, from the side. I know, but I, I felt that you wanted to ask this question. Um, I do consider myself a, a, as a civic leader, um, and it's... Um, I mean, it's hard for me to distinguish myself from the participants, but again, I I don't know what's going to happen. I do not talk formally um, with political parties here in France. 
I do talk with many political leaders, former leaders, and many of them support the academy. Some of them would love to have the academy within their parties or would love to partner or would love to um, co-lead the academy with me. Um, I, I'm really willing to maintain some kind of neutrality. Uh, we call ourselves progressive. We don't call ourselves left. Um, we talk about um, humanist um, values. We don't talk about um, socialist values at all. I don't know what the future is going to be. All I know is that there's something happening that is super strong. Um, we launched the Academy um, officially in the, in the media in November. That's That was yesterday. Um, the cohort started three weeks ago. That's 10 minutes ago. So... And, and, and in three weeks, I've seen the excitement um, in the press, but also, and more important, on the cohort. I've seen the participants bonding and getting to realize that they were not alone. And that's magical. That's beautiful. We have sessions in which uh, the leaders are crying. I'm thinking about uh, Stefan, who is a baker that went on hunger strike to save his apprentice who was threatened with deportation. He had a hunger strike of uh, 11 days and almost died for that. And during his hunger strike, he was able to mobilize 200,000 people. And today when he's looking at us, he cries and sheds in tears saying, I know why I've been doing that and I know why I keep on fighting and I know why I will run for elections because of my integrity. And the beauty that I'm, that I'm seeing right now is beyond strategy. What I'm convinced of is that people like Stefan or Priscilla, who co-initiated the, the, the Yellow Vest, uh, or Tufik um, Valipuram, who uh, comes from uh, underserved communities and has been fighting a lot against inequality, those people are the leaders we need. And, you know, it was interesting this week because we hosted a session with President Hollande uh, former president of France before Macron. He came and, and we had a very interesting chat. In the end of the of the session between President Hollande and the participants, President Hollande said, so together we're going to change politics and and social democracy. And, uh, and the participants replied, thank you so much, Mr. President, but this is our turn now. It's This is up to us to change all of that. You are... We respect with all due respect. You're from the past, and it was it was a it was a tough moment. Uh, but I, I feel that this is the motivation we need right now. It's been a while since I haven't heard young, bold, incredible people, mostly women, uh, people that we in French we say from diverse diverse background. Let's say it properly. Um, black communities, Muslim communities. It's been a while since I haven't heard this kind of leaders saying, this is our turn now. Just give us some space. Let's end there because I can't even imagine the question I would ask to follow. It is the next turn and it's important that that turn be as well designed and informed as possible. And it sounds like that's what you're trying to do. So once you scale in Germany, maybe you should scale elsewhere as well. Thank you very much, Alice. Thank you, Alan. 
Thank you for joining us. Please rate our show on Apple Podcast and subscribe. Meanwhile, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Or you can subscribe to our newsletter at talbergfoundation.org to learn more about our work. That's T-A-L-L-B-E-R-G foundation.org. Thank you and we'll be back again next week for another episode of Talberg's New Thinking for a New World. This podcast was brought to you through the generous support of SNF, the Stavros Nyarkos Foundation. Mm-hmm.